We know that it's imperative for us to have really strong insurance capability within our business. That enables us to design the technology the right way. It also enables us to have the right level of credibility in the market so that underwriters will support us with the product that we want to do. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, dedicated to the discussion of insurance innovation. So today I have the opportunity to speak to Mitch Dows. Now he's the Executive Vice President of the Americas for Cover Genius, an insure tech focused on protecting the customers of the world's largest online companies. Mitch, I am honored to have you in the podcast today. Welcome. All right, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey, so uh, I, I, as always, you know, I, I always um, like to take the opportunity to talk about you and just your background and your history in the insurance space, just to set up the context for the folks that are listening to the podcast. So, Mitch, if you don't mind, you know, um, talk to me a little bit about your background. I, I see that you've worked at uh, multiple insure techs and now with you being at Cover Genius, but talk to me about your background and your history in insurance. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you if you wind the clock totally back, I um I started my career as an accountant. So I was actually working at Ernst and Young at the time. Uh, did a bunch of stuff there, basically focusing on a, a range of kind of large listed insurance company clients. Um, from there, I went to a company called SunCorp, which is one of the, if not the largest, one of the largest insurance banking institutions in Australia. So. Did a number of things there, um, worked in the strategy for them across their PNC brands, worked on a range of different product initiatives, uh, and then ultimately ended up kind of helping them launch what would have been one of the first corporate venture capital initiatives, um, at least in the insurance industry. Uh, back then, ran a portfolio of investments for them for a couple of years, and then ultimately ended up in their innovation team, um, kind of looking at a range of different things like systemic risks kind of facing the insurance business and the, and you know their actual you know core business. Um, and while I was there, I actually happened across working on a partnership with a company called Trove, who I actually then went to join. So some of you guys might know Trove. They've got um, they they kind of started the whole on-demand insurance thing a few years ago. I don't know since since gone on to do another uh, number of other kind of different insure tech. Um, initiatives and so I left Australia moved to the UK helped those guys set their business up over there and then did after about 12 months in the UK then moved to New York City where I helped run their kind of global business development and partnerships team um, from New York City and helped kind of build that office out there Uh, and then as of about 12 months ago um, I joined Cover Genius which is kind of getting back to my roots a little bit an Australian insure tech company um, and I've been leading the team um, across the Americas region here since then, um, kind of based out of New York. Yeah, you know, you uh, you absolutely have a, a, a great backstory in terms of what you've been doing in the insurance industry in this space, you know, especially, um, you know, working uh, with an organization that was transformative and then moving into um, another insure tech organization to, to what you are doing uh, today, right? So, so you know, I, I'd love for you to talk more specifically about what Cover Genius is and just the the overall value proposition as to what the organization is doing to transform this insurance industry. 
Cover Genius is essentially an end-to-end, I guess you might want to call it a full-stack insurance platform that focuses on the distribution of insurance products at a digital point of sale. So our mission is basically to enable the world's largest e-commerce companies to sell insurance or protection products to their global customer base. Um, when the company was founded, and so like our, our history is very much, um, or our genesis was very much in the travel space. Um, our two co-founders, Chris and Angus, basically identified a huge issue with the global insurance ecosystem was that even the global insurance companies couldn't deliver a technology solution that could enable a global business to to access a globally kind of linked system of products that could enable them to have a single user experience for any customer no matter where they where they originated globally so they kind of identified that um, the the industry needed a global technology solution that could do that and so that was kind of the start of Cover Genius, and we've been growing that kind of business ever since. Um, and we're now licensed in 60-plus countries, and we basically do that. So um, a value proposition kind of, if you think about how it is enabling the insurance industry to develop and change, what, what we're really trying to do here is actually kind of give momentum to a shift whereby value goes from direct insurance companies who, you know, since the dawn of time have been you know, spending lots of money on marketing to customers and getting customers to come and search for them to actually enabling customers to purchase insurance alongside the things they actually want to go and do. Whether that's buying an asset at a retail point of sale, whether it's going on a holiday, whether it's getting in a vehicle, it's kind of our view that insurance should be kind of embedded in those things as and where the customer actually wants to engage with them. And we're kind of getting away from this traditional model where a customer would go, and they would buy a house, they would buy a car, they would go on a holiday, and then they would have to go and search for insurance post-transaction on the assumption that they even know what they're looking for and know where to find it, right? So to us, we kind of feel like that that model is kind of broken, and through uh, embedding the sale of insurance in inside retail businesses, whether that's at a, a retail point of sale or a booking path, uh, we're kind of enabling that shift, and we think it's going to be big. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, when when I talk insurance, um, especially when you are talking to consumers in the personal line space, and it's not really about the insurance transaction itself. It's about what that individual is doing to improve their lives, right? So if it's renting a car, you know, they think about what their need is in relation to renting that car. Or if it's buying a house, they think about the needs of, of buying a house and how that makes them feel and what they need to do there with insurance being sort of a secondary part of the transaction. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I even remember in my underwriting days where, you know, um, we I would uh, work with commercial organizations that would uh, buy a building, right? Um, and then completely forget at some point in time to add that building to, the, to that policy uh, seven, eight, sometimes a, a year later in terms of, uh, you know, seven or eight months or, or a year later or so, even though the policy would, would pick it up at, um, you know, with, with some of the language that, that's written in there, um, it still wasn't really about, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy this insurance. It was about, well, hey, I, I added this new commercial building to my portfolio to help me better uh, run my business with this more larger warehousing space and so on. So, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you and I believe that embedded insurance um, is really where the market is going, um, you know, for, for, for some types of insurance and, and so on. Now, Mitch, with that said, I wonder, you know, is Cover Genius um, uh, technically uh, the technology provider or is Cover Genius also um, providing the insurance coverage 
um, for the individuals that are looking to purchase insurance at the point of sale? Yeah, so we, we are first and foremost uh, a technology platform, but at the same time we're – so in the US we're a licensed MGA, so we, ha- we hold agency or you know um, comparable distributors' licenses in all the markets that we operate in. And so we then work with a panel of underwriters um, globally behind the scenes where we can actually source different products and different solutions from them globally. And then we, so we then use the data that we collect through the integration at the front end to actually select the right customer or the right policy for that customer at that point of sale. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, and um, and, and that is uh, a, a way to absolutely get the right product in front of the customer at the point that that customer is looking to to have the product itself, right? So, so you all are, are working with some pretty big names, right? You know, you're um, working with organizations like Booking.com um, in, in terms of providing the the technical um, uh, capability and the and the access to insurance at the point of sale there. Um, and you're also working um, with organizations that do vehicle rental insurance at the at the, the point of um, renting a vehicle all the way through to you know merchandise jewelry and, and so on you know and, and, and I, I I wonder you know um, as you all are providing that technology capability um, the the names that you all are working with are are, are huge and, and other insure techs that are out there could only dream of engaging in partnerships with organizations like that so you know as, as we talk about innovation Talk to me a little bit about, you know, um, how you, you all were able to snag partnerships with organizations of that magnitude, um, knowing that you had a, 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 a insurance and a technical capability to help you maintain a, a solid partnership in a relationship long term. You know, talk, just talk to me about how you were able to get to that point. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of elements to this. I think, firstly, it's about how we approached solving the initial problem and building the technology. And then I think it's also about um, kind of the value that we add once we're integrated and, you know, build that kind of ongoing relationship. Like, you know, we were, when we first entered our, you know, our kind of cornerstone partnership um, with rentalcars.com, which is part of the booking.com group, um, you know, we weren't a huge business at that point. We were quite small. We built some technology and we, that had a lot of promise, but, you know, we needed to actually cultivate that relationship over time to make, to turn it into what it was. And so if you think about the approach that we took in those initial days to thinking about how we could build a scalable global platform. It wasn't to sit there and design the entire end state solution and try and build that. Our approach was very much to focus in on one specific opportunity, kind of really nail the execution of that opportunity. And if we could prove out the value proposition and the economics behind that, then we would know that there was an opportunity for us to scale that into different lines of insurance. And so the business actually was built off the back of um, the rental car insurance portfolio that we hold. So the approach was basically to focus on that as a niche or what's quite a big global market, but as a specific line of insurance. And if we could really nail the distribution mechanism and the end-to-end capability that goes all the way through to claims for that, then we could start to kind of scale that out. And so that was the foot in the door that we had um, with rental cars and booking.com. Um, and then we've kind of, ever since then, we've continued to grow that business with those partners internationally as we continue to add value to them as, as partners. Um, and then kind of after that really started to grow and we started to be quite successful, then then we kind of got to that decision point where it's like, okay, um, how do we invest back in this business to turn our technology into what was then kind of quite a focused single line platform 
um, to really be multi-geo, multi-line, um, and kind of multi-product. And so that's that's what we've done over the last few years. So XCover is the core platform at CoverGenius, which essentially can handle the distribution and management of any insurance product, um, provided we've got a, a digital point of sale to distribute that through. Um, and so that's that's kind of the, the genesis of, of how we kind of got in there and how we continue to build build those relationships. And then really it's about the efficiency of the technology, right? So, um, you know, we are, we are a purely B2B business. So we distribute products through our B2B partners, which enables us to be really efficient about the way that we do that. So, you know, we don't have marketing budgets. Um, we don't have any of that kind of heavy cost base that a lot of the big traditional insurers have. Um, we've got quite an efficient operating model and we've got, you know, very low cost technology. So that enables us to distribute these products really efficiently, but it also enables us to lower the overall cost base of that product, which creates greater commercial capacity for that as well. So um, at the end of the day, you know, everyone wants to make money. So we're all in the in the, in the business of, of sharing our profits. That's just our business model. So being really efficient enables us to compete really strongly when it comes to Offering up um, insurance as a solution for these for these e-commerce businesses that we partner with. Yeah, and and you know, and as as I as I look at everything that you all have put on the table in terms of investing back into your organization, that efficiency actually carries over into multiple avenues, right? So so you also have um, X Claim, you know, the platform that issues um, instant payments of claims within so many different countries and many different regions. I think it's 90 different countries last I read. Um, um, and that creates a level of efficiency that gets rid of the extended longer claims process, which might take a long time of, um, you know, someone filing for it, a lot of, um, you know, a long paper trail and, and so on. But the efficiency that was built in is done in a way that enables it to work really well um, a- across the globe. So, you know, Mitch, if you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about the um the 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 way that you all have rolled out xclaim and and how you've made it work so well and efficient i could only imagine that you're leveraging technologies like ai and nlu and and so on just to make sure that the payout of the claims are exactly as intended but i'm pretty sure there's more behind that so talk to me a little bit about how that works yeah sure so Xclaim itself is not a is not a separate platform, so it's it's an embedded component of Xcover, which is our end to end solution, and so it's available and is used with all of our partners through which we're distributing insurance products. Um, and really, that's just about providing an efficient and better experience for customers going through the claims process, right? So, you know, we've got really high NPS scores, like sixty five plus, which is kind of unheard of in a lot of insurance markets globally. So Kind of the proof is in the pudding there, right? And so, and part of that is is our kind of our claims payment capabilities, so instantaneous payments. So um, we have constructed that using a range of different underlying technologies. So there's obviously a lot of innovation that's been going on in the payment space over the last, you know, five or so years. So we just went out to see, you know, what what we could actually leverage to create what is a better solution for insurance. And you can think about the complexities of doing that. If you think about our business with all of the travel products that sit within it, you know, you've got customers that live in country A, traveling in country B, don't necessarily have a bank account in that location, can't access checks. Like we, 
we just kind of looked at that problem and thought that there just needs to be a better way of doing this. So um, we went out there and we figured out, you know, what components we could use and, and join together to create what is, you know, a very fast, efficient and fluid process for our customers. Um, from a, like a machine learning AI perspective, um, we do use that across the business. Um, in the claims payments space, it's probably not as leveraged. A lot of what we do in that space is really around um, the front end of the business. So if you think about how we operate through the integrations we have at the front end, that enables us to access a lot of data that comes from potential distribution partners. And what we do is we collect that information and then use our advanced analytics techniques to think about how we can optimize things like pricing and even product recommendations off the back of that to the extent we can actually create dynamic customizations of the product, um, which is something we're super excited about and, we, and we're going to be looking to leverage a lot more in the future. Um, and then there's also the fraud aspect of the claims process, right, which there's huge opportunities for advanced analytics and machine learning and stuff like that. So that's probably mainly where we would use it. Um, the payments the payments element, though, is really just creating a more efficient pathway and leveraging some other underlying technologies. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I could see exactly how that would work. And, and you know, as I, as I think about the claims payment process, of course, in, in many organizations, uh, a significant challenge uh, is, is getting over the fraud component of things, right? Where, you know, knowing that, especially as you're doing instantaneous payments, that fraud could potentially play out um, for those that um, are, are looking to illicitly get over on uh, the insurance carrier organization to, to obtain that fraudulent payment. Now, there are organizations out there like, and, and I like to use Lemonade as the example because they're, they're one that I've seen continuously improve upon and, and innovate on the, the concept of instantaneous claims payment um, through leveraging technology to do that, but also through taking in other um, concepts like behavioral science to try to stop individuals from filing for, for fraudulent claims um, and, and so on. So I, I wonder now, I, I know that from a platform perspective, you know, that um, the X claim is a part of the core platform and and um, there are elements that you're using technology to, to mitigate and, and to limit that element. Um, but but is there sort of a, a, a continuous review and assessment and um, enhancement to the technology to prevent things like um, you know, fraudulent um, filing of claims and those sorts of things, just to make sure that the the payouts are going to those that are really warranted and not those that are trying to, I guess, gain something for nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And so the beauty of operating across the entire value chain, um, which is what our technology does, is that we actually see all of the information, right? So we know all the distribution side information, we know the customer, and then we know all the claims behaviors and the patterns, and we can we can analyze that and identify, you know, causal or, or correlated behaviors that exist in the data, and then we can start to take action on that quite quickly. Um, you know, we've there's a we talk about internally how last year we actually noticed some really odd claims behaviors coming out of um, people that were traveling to Iceland for the Northern Lights, and so pretty quickly we were able to actually construct a new policy specifically for travelers going to that destination to actually respond to the different claims behaviors. And so that's just, and we were able to get that done in about a week and a half or something like that. Um, which, if you think about product development cycles in traditional insurance companies, that's super quick. And having visibility over the data and the ability to actually analyze it and pull inference out of it really quickly is what enables us to do that. The other thing that I'll say is that, and this gets to our our entire business model, is that there is a big difference in fraud risk when you're distributing 
insurance products alongside another purchase versus pure B2C businesses where customers will come to you. So I'll give you an example. Take um, take product insurance sold at, the, at a retail point of sale. Take mobile phone insurance, for example. So if a customer, if we're distributing a mobile phone insurance policy alongside the sale of an iPhone, as and when that iPhone is getting purchased and it's not even in the hands of the buyer yet, we know with reasonable certainty that that, that, that item exists and that it's in good working condition. If you're selling mobile phone insurance online and customers are Googling you and then turning up, the the chances that they've got a broken phone are infinitely higher than they are in that retail scenario, right? So for us, fraud is something that can be managed in the claims process. It's also something that can be managed in the sales process for us, which gives us a lot of leverage and is is actually one of our key focus areas. It's how can we how can we weed it out at the front and then not have to deal with it in the back because once again dealing with fraudulent claims really slows down your claims turnaround time. Um, and it just ends up with a whole bunch of um, time spent that doesn't need to be spent. And that ultimately just increases the cost base of the product. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so so I, so I think about what you mentioned in regards to what you've seen in Iceland um, as the folks that were uh, traveling to Iceland to see the Northern Lights and uh, was able to turn around a new product um, to, to handle that or a new policy to handle that uh, within a, a very short time frame. And I wonder, you know, um, are you all um, just knowing that you're um, you, you have a, a technical capability and just a capability in general that's usable across the globe? Um, what do you all see from a regulatory perspective? You know, are, are you are you um, limited to some of the regulatory um, uh, requirements in, in, in some spaces or, or, or are you able to? You know, um, bypass that because is this because of this being more of a technology capability that's uh, being used globally versus the insurance component. So I, I just wonder, you know, how are you all impacted by the regulatory environment across the globe and all of the multiple countries that you're working in? Yeah, it's a good question. And to be honest, this is where, like, alongside building the actual tech, this is where so much of our investment and resources has gone into over the last five years. It's actually building out that global network of regulated capability because that is what that is what enables us to provide a global solution to our partners. And serving global companies, you have to have that. Otherwise, it's a total non-starter, basically. Um, and so the answer is yes. So we, we deal with regulatory, regulatory complexity in every market we go to. And you can imagine <laughs> I spend a lot of my time explaining to people that the U.S. market is heavily regulated and we have to do things slightly differently over here. Um, and so we have to be aware of that and our platform is totally flexible um, and customizable to the extent that it can deal with whatever regulatory constructs we need to deal with. So whether that's state by state taxes or it's filing processes or any of that sort of stuff, um, we, we can handle all that and we do and it does mean that we have to do things slightly differently um, in each market but ultimately what we're trying to do there is create underlying sh- insurance products that are compliant in each market that we go to, um, but that deliver the same user experience for our global partners, customers. And so that's kind of the design challenge that we face. Um, and, you know, over time, we've become pretty good at it. And we see it as one of our core core strengths as a business. Yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, having a, a consistent user experience. And, and, and I could imagine, so I know you all are investing uh, really heavily in ensuring that the, the platform and the capability is regulatory um, compliant across uh, you know the, uh, the the different uh, geographies that you all are, are, are within, um, but you know I, what 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 I would assume, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would assume that 
um, it creates uh, even more of a challenge to have sort of a, a standardized uh, customer experience as you move from one market to the next to the next, right? Especially as you're, you're, you're building out the capabilities to reflect the needs of that particular market. So I, I wonder, is that even, in, is, is it even an issue just given the way that you all distribute your product and capability? Or is that even, is that something that you all take into consideration as you're expanding and enhancing your product capabilities? Yeah, we do take into account, but the, the, the way that we've designed the Excover platform is such that um, whenever we integrate with a partner, um, whether it's a retail partner, a travel partner, or whatever, um, all of the content related to the insurance sale as it's delivered inside their front end actually comes through our API. So we actually control that content, so we make sure that, it, that it's compliant and that it reflects the underlying policy of that country, region, jurisdiction, or destination. So we can actually just deliver whatever the right content is, no matter where it is and no matter who it's for. And so that's, you know, can get quite complex in the back end, but ultimately it enables us to deliver that, that consistent user experience and making sure we're actually distributing the right policies in the right places. Um, but nevertheless, we work with global partners. And so when we're designing insurance solutions for them, we do seek to design solutions that are globally consistent and scalable, right? So, you know, we have to take into consideration, you know, what if there's minimum coverage limits or certain requirements in different markets, how we can build a product that kind of covers all those bases and delivers a lot of value for the customer, but gives us some flexibility and scalability as we deploy it across markets. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, I definitely think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and, and again, you know, I, I wonder just as we think about what's been playing out um, just in the insurance industry and then beyond the insurance industry, you know, so many industries are going through a digital transformation, right? Insurance being one of them. Uh, it's been happening uh, with the insurance space for, for quite some time. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's one that um, you're seeing already played out years ago in the fintech space and um, you know, when, when you start talking about things like um, biotech and construct tech on the construction side in terms of the, 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 the digital technologies and the overhauls that's been happening in, in those um, uh, industries in particular. But, but insurance has been one that has really solidly been on the forefront going through a digital transformation. Now, uh, you know, as, as an organization like yourself, so you have the MGA side that's in, engaging in um, you know, uh, helping to provide the right level of access to the coverages that are necessary as, as you're um, integrating and working with some of the global partners that, that, that you're engaged with. But, um, you know, I, I could imagine that even as you're deploying um, a solution uh, to or, or working with carriers through the MGA, that carriers are on um, a multitude of, uh, of different um, spots within the entire value chain when you think about digital transformation. Some might be, you know, very far ahead and, and others might just be starting their journey. So, um, you know, when, when you're um, working to engage and, and integrate, whether it's with insurance organizations or other companies that are looking to leverage your API, are you finding that uh, there are people that are or organizations that are in, in different um, maturity levels that might make it more challenging to, to work with uh, your your technology? And, and, and if so, how do you help those organizations along to, to ensure that you have a capability that's workable and usable for their and their customers' needs? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, firstly, in my mind, there's a big difference between an insurance company's digital transformation and the digital transformation of the insurance industry, right? I think those things are totally, totally separate. 
And so, as you can imagine, you know, we're, we're leveraging some new data at the front end to actually create and distribute products in a new way. Um, we actually require pretty flexible and open-minded underwriting partners to, to help us do that. Um, and so, you know, what you see now, and kind of from my experience, in, in not just with Cover Genius, but previously, you often find it more difficult to work with a retail insurance company, um, primarily because they've got a lot of a structure around how they develop products, um, which makes it difficult to do things any differently. Um, and it means it takes a long time to bring a new product to market. Um, and they've got all of these kind of legacy hangups about the value of their brand. So subordinating that to a digital e-commerce business to then doesn't always make sense. And they think that they should be leveraging their brand and that often gets in the way of getting, of getting deals done. Um, and so those things, you know, kind of work at odds with our business model. So, um, not to say that it can't be done. You know, we've got some good relationships with some big retail insurance companies out there and some of them are quite progressive. And it's usually those guys that have thought pretty deeply about the future of their business model, but then others can be, can be super difficult to work with. So what that kind of means for us is that we actually spend a lot of time cultivating relationships with kind of more flexible capital pools. So usually that means either specialty, specialty underwriters in the areas that we want to, that we want to go into from a product perspective because they have really deep knowledge of the risk, so they actually um, are more flexible in how they deploy that. Um, and then there's obviously the reinsurance companies who, you know, because of all the things that the technology has done to break down that value chain over the last five to 10 years, are now looking and starting to participate much closer to the customer with their capital, right? And so it's companies like ours and platforms like Xcover that enable those big capital pools to do that. Um, and often because they have such big balance sheets, they're willing to take to take more risk or to experiment with different products and to be a bit more open with the way that they think about structuring things. And so that's kind of our experience to date. Um, no doubt, I think the big insurance companies, um, as they kind of become more mature with this, these types of distribution models, will um, will start to, to play more in that space. You know, for, for us, you know, it's really about if we can build profitable portfolios, then we should be able to access capital in the market, right? We don't we don't think that any one insurance company will even have an appetite to do all the things that we want to do, even if it all was profitable. So, you know, it kind of makes sense for us to go and, and work with different players in the market and um, and build multiple strong relationships with um, with carriers. Yeah, I, I actually think that that uh, particular approach in terms of, you know, working with multiple carriers, uh, especially for an insurtech like yours that has a technology platform and a capability that's ubiquitous, that can work irrespective of, you know, uh, you know where in the world it is and, um, you know, the, the, the size and type of the insurance company. You know, I, I think that's a, a good approach to continue to help to, to service this space through the, the technology and the overall capabilities that you all have designed at, over at Cover Genius. Now, you know, with that said, um, you know, it to me, uh, designing and deploying a capability in, a, in a, a platform in a business model like yours 
takes an extreme amount of understanding of the industry and frankly the the types of b2b partners that you're targeting and you want to engage with in order to provide um, access to your platform and to uh, the, the the coverage and the insurance that your your platform is providing access to um, and, and it really requires sort of a, a penchant for innovation um, so I, I wonder you know within cover genius uh, do you all consider the environment in which you all are working in an innovative one um, and then how do you all really drive that spirit of innovation across the entire enterprise yeah it's a good question because you know you think about what we do you know we're kind of melding together a technology business and an insurance business at the same time right which you know historically have had two very different mindsets um so to be fair a lot of it comes down to to picking the right people to work with you in that scenario right um it's it's it is and it will remain a challenge kind of finding so kind of taking one step back we know that it's imperative for us for us to have really strong insurance capability within our business that enables us to design the technology the right way it also enables us to have the right level of credibility in the market so that underwriters will support us with the products that we want to do so it's been a real challenge to try and find um you know people that come from the insurance industry with that kind of expertise um that can bring that with an open mind and actually put it into a melting pot in and amongst a whole bunch of technology people and really start to push the envelope in terms of how we develop technology, but also how we develop insurance products. So for us, it kind of flows both ways, right? So we're trying to be innovative on the technology side of things and we're trying to be innovative with our partners. And then at the same time, we're trying to craft innovative insurance products with our carrier partners. And so um, it needs to exist across all of those touch points. You know, we need partners that are willing to push the envelope. We need to be willing to design solutions that are innovative. And we need innovative insurance partners that can support us in doing that. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to just an open kind of an open environment internally for us, for everyone to have their say and be willing to put their ideas forward. And then um, a willingness to go and do things um, without constraining people to kind of get on with their job to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, I, and, and I see that because I I would see that even though you might have sort of an innovative environment within Cover Genius, that based on the the type of capability that you all have built and designed, that you have to make sure that the organizations that um, you're engaging and partnering with is on a, a, a similar plane from an innovation perspective, so they could consume, uh, uh, build, and then deploy a capability um, like yours that, that that's very innovative. So I, I could see exactly why you would want to ensure that um, you know the organizations that, that you're partnering with and that you're engaging with has a, a very similar environment um, to yours. Now, with that said, we know that especially with insurance, um, you know, it's, it's easier said than done when it comes to, to innovation, especially as a lot of carriers are, are trying to figure it out, right? So um, are you all um, finding that uh, you know, given what you all are doing, that that you that you're seeing carriers that are trying to figure it out, or have you all uh, really targeted and engaged with those carriers that you know have got it together when it comes to designing and deploying innovative concepts? Uh, to be honest, I think every carrier is trying to figure it out. I think most of them have come; they come up with their own their own view about what that actually looks like. Sometimes that fits with our business model. Sometimes it doesn't. You know. Sometimes they're looking at innovation in other areas and sometimes, you know, a classic example is, um, you know, some of the retail insurance companies, they kind of, 
looked at what's going on in the space. They can see that there's a whole bunch of different technology companies popping up that are doing different things in the front end of the value chain, and they're starting to think about how they can be more strategic about how to, how they deploy their capital. And then, which is a which is a very kind of shift away from that brand centric. I'm going to own the entire value chain kind of model, which which has been the case up until this point. And then you get other kind of retail carriers who are actually focusing their innovative energies on how do we develop new products and new user experiences, which is two very different models. Not saying one's right or wrong, but you can see how one would work for us and one wouldn't work for us. Um, so I think I think that like you can't say that the effort's not there from the industry. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see different versions of innovation and different ideas about the future state of the of insurance kind of popping up, and we'll and we'll kind of see see which ones float at the end of the day. Um, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the kind of willingness of these insurance companies is guided by how they're incentivized internally, right? So, you know, I've worked in strategy and innovation teams within insurance companies before, and they're not easy jobs to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of great ideas out there. The ability for a big company like an insurance company to execute on an idea, even if they've got a great one, is extremely difficult. And if you think about how kind of, you know, those businesses are structured and the resource allocation processes that go on within them, the chances of a good greenfield idea getting off the ground within a big insurance company is, is very low. So, you know, these guys need to actually innovate on the way that they bring ideas up within their own organizations as well, rather than just thinking about products at the end of the day, because that is one of the biggest challenges they face. Yeah, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with what you're saying there, you know, especially as you start to look at the the large insurance organizations, it's almost like trying to, innovation is almost like trying to move a large organization like it's a ship, right? You know, it takes quite a long time to to turn that 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 wheel in order to make the ship steer in that same direction. Uh, and a lot of it is predicated upon not, not even, you know, the the financial resources, because of course that's that's a given when it comes to innovation, but a lot of it is actually predicated upon the culture of the organization uh, and whether the culture of that organization is, is um, open and ready to accept um, the necessary innovation and transformations that might be happening that frankly is, is going to need to be deployed um, within that organization, whether we like it or not, just because, you know, um, it, the, the, the space, the segment, the industry has been influenced by so many other organizations that have nothing to do with the insurance space. Um, and, uh, you know, there are um, people, millennials, new um, business owners that might have a different thought of interacting with any company based on their experiences with other organizations like a Tesla or an Amazon or a Google or whatever it might be, you know, so uh, so changing the culture of the organization, I think, um, uh, really uh, is um, at the, the, the bottom, at the foundation of, of really being able to transform a, a company um, and uh, for them to buy into this concept of innovation. Because to your point, you know, it, it is hard, especially in large insurance organizations. You know, so, so that, that brings me to, to the question that I, that I always ask folks that, that I'm talking to. And it's, you know, um, if, if I'm an individual that's listening to you and, and myself speak here today and, and just knowing that, hey, I'm in, I'm in one of these organizations where it's hard to transform transform where the culture isn't one that truly, um, you know, isn't accepting of uh, whole scale innovation. You know, if, if I'm someone that's listening to the two of us speak, you know, what advice would you give me um, in, in order to change the status quo and embrace innovation and, and drive change in my organization? 
Yeah, so to me, I think executing change or innovation in, a, in one of those big companies comes down to two things. I think it's like having a really strong understanding and view of your customer and and what kind of value propositions will be relevant to them in the future. And when you think about the future too, you've got to think about kind of the near-term future and the longer-term future. Where a lot of these guys go wrong, and I think this is for, this applies equally to insurtech businesses as it does to insurance companies, is they conceptualize a product or an offering or an experience that is out in the future and then they build for it and then they kind of are amazed or stunned when they launch it that they're actually launching something into a market that doesn't exist yet. And cultivating new categories and new markets for insurance products or any financial service takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So you need to know that when you're going into it. So I think have a really laser-focused view of your customer and their needs and, and how to craft a value proposition for that. And then I think it needs vision and empowerment from the very, very top down. Um, I've seen loads of great ideas pop up within insurance companies. And if they don't have the buy-in and the force and will of the top executives, then they're just not going to go anywhere because they will run into so many internal hurdles whether it's personalities, whether it's process, whether it's approvals, eventually what you need is someone with a lot of authority who can bang their fists on the table and tell everyone that they have to that they're going to do this, um, and that's what gets things to market. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely the case, right? And um, and really, you know, top down is is very very important from the, uh, the the vantage point of embracing innovation within an organization. Otherwise, it becomes somewhat of an effort and futility if it's someone that's really trying to make the change from the bottom up without the support of the executive leadership and the executive team. So I uh, couldn't agree with you more. So, hey, you know, Mitch, uh, it's been a really great conversation that you and I had here today. And I'm sure that the folks that are listening got a lot out of it. You know, if they wanted to continue the conversation and, and learn more about what you all are doing at Coverage News, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I said the best way is to come to our website, so covergenius.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, all that sort of stuff, so you can track us down there. Um, or, yeah, if anyone you know wants to chat to me personally, um, I'm on that stuff too. So feel free to reach out, and thank you for having me. Awesome. No, this was great, Mitch. So, hey, once again, thank you. I do truly appreciate it, and I look forward to continuing to following the successes of Covergenius. Excellent. Thanks, Abel. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. Now we're coming up to that 100th episode and it's going to be a live recorded episode with the court. Um, and we're going to bring on some insure techs that are looking to innovate this space. So don't forget to scoot this over to your friends and colleagues. And for yourself, if this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss that episode or any of the future ones. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.